Good morning and welcome again. We're so, so glad that you're here today. Appreciate your presence. We're thankful for our visitors. We've got a lot of visitors with us today, and as always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful that you are, you are here with us today, and we hope and pray that our service, our time together, will be beneficial. I know I say this often, but if you're looking for a church home, let me invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us. We're so glad that many folks have joined hands with us and are part of the body here, and we need your help. We want to do all that we can to reach out to those in this community, to share the gospel with them, to be a light in the midst of a darkened world. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the passage that Jordan read a moment ago. The theme of our lesson today, do you hear the lion roaring? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about it like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resisting steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings or afflictions are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We want to talk today about this roaring lion, the devil, and talk about the implications of the work of the devil. Because ultimately, we all do battle with this adversary. I want to begin by talking about how we ought to be alert to the works of the devil. Because Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. The reason being, your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Let me begin by talking about the devil's prey. I want you to understand, I want all of us to understand that no one is off limits. I think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the fact that God's only begotten Son was not exempted from temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, we have an account of the devil coming to Jesus and posing three very specific temptations to the Lord. The Bible tells us that each and every time the Lord was tempted, his response was, it is written. So if the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ, my question is, who am I to not be tempted? The fact of the matter is, all of us are tempted on a daily basis. And the devil does his very best to destroy our faith. So we think about the devil's prey, but then the devil's prowl. The Bible says he walks about like a roaring lion, his intent seeking whom he may devour. Let me say that the devil is relentless. I mentioned a moment ago, the Son of God. In Luke's account of the temptations that were posed to Jesus, in chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible tells us that after he had successfully resisted each and every temptation, the devil left him. But then Luke adds this commentary, until an opportune time. Just because the Lord Jesus was successful on that occasion 
did not mean that the devil wouldn't be back. What we have to understand is it is a daily ongoing battle. He is absolutely relentless. He never gives up. And then not only is he relentless, but he is ravenous. And when I use that term, I use it to underscore the fact that he is never satisfied. He never gets enough. Sometimes when people are famished or hungry, they'll use the word that they were ravenous. Well, think about the devil for a moment. The devil is always looking for new prey. He's never ever satisfied with those that he has under his control. It's interesting to me as I thought about this lesson and particularly this point, how the devil is never satisfied, but yet the people of God sometimes, that is us, those of us who are Christians, sometimes we become satisfied or complacent in our faith. You see, the devil never has enough, but sometimes as the people of God, we get to a point where we're satisfied. You remember Amos, the preacher of old? In Amos chapter 6, Amos chided God's people in the long ago. He said, woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Sometimes we get to a point where we're just satisfied with the run of the mill. Not so with the devil. He's always out and about. He's always seeking someone to devour, to destroy, to undermine he does it very effectively. So first, we must be alert to the works of the devil. But secondly, I would suggest we must be aware of the ways of the devil. Let me begin by talking about the devil's bait. Now, Peter said he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have talked before about the many devices of Satan. And I have some pictures that I want to share with you in our study today that I think helps to enforce and reinforce the bait, the lures that are often used by the devil. Now Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength or power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 11 said that we are not ignorant of the devices of Satan, lest he gain advantage over us. So he has many, many devices, many tools, and he uses a number of things to destroy or circumvent our faith. Let me just begin by talking about money. Money is a necessary evil. Nothing intrinsically wrong with money. However, if we get to the point in life where money is the focal point, that's what we're living for, then it becomes a God. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that those that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare, and many foolish and hurtful lust. I wonder how many people have taken the bait of the devil. And the desire is to get rich, 
to store up, to stock up as much money as possible. That's what they're living for. Paul said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some men, having reached after, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and been led astray from the faith. Nothing intrinsically wrong with money or material goods as long as those things do not supplant God on his throne. And then I think about a picture that is quite common in our land. It's that of a football stadium filled with people. Yesterday, large and vast numbers of folks assembled for the purpose of playing football. This afternoon, the NFL. Nothing wrong with football, nothing wrong with playing football, watching football, pulling for our favorite team. But I want to ask you this. How many folks, and it may be that you're here today and this is your problem. We talk about our first love. It's not the church, not the Lord, not his word. It's our team. I mean, that's what we're living for. That's, that's all we talk about. That's all we think about. Spend a lot of money to get tickets. We'll go out of town. We'll spend lots of money on hotel rooms. We'll go out to eat. We'll enjoy ourselves. And you know, if possible, we may be able to work the Lord into our busy weekend to worship Him. A lot of folks allow a football team to come between them and God. You may be here today. And you, like those in Ephesus, have left your first love. Let me just be honest. Your first love is your team. And you'll stay out late hours of the night, get back in early morning. Can't come to worship services. You've been out, been out all night. Had to support your team. Let me tell you what. The devil has a bag of tricks. And man, he is so effective. A third... Lure or bait often employed alcohol. Friday morning I had the opportunity to speak at Center Hill. Ben Rickman asked me to speak on the devil's bag of tricks. And I talked about alcohol and drugs. And there are a lot of people in our world today, that's what they're living for. A lot of, a lot of young folks get caught up in this stuff. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 13 that a wise man is going to walk with wise people. But he said a companion of fools will be destroyed. I want you to know, and specifically our young folks, I want them to know. If you run with people that like to drink alcohol and you drink alcohol, I'm, I'm telling you what, it's going to destroy you. It will tear you up. It will tear your parents up. I made mention of the fact Friday morning that there was a friend of mine when I was in 10th grade. And he and another fellow were out. And they had been drinking, at least the driver had as far as I know. They T-boned a pole not far from my house. They came off the expressway doing about 100 miles an hour and they T-boned that 
massive pole. This friend of mine that was 15 years old went head, went head to head, so to speak, with that pole. All these years he's been in eternity. Let me tell you what Solomon said. Wine is a mocker. He said, strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You want to be a fool? Just drink alcohol. You drink alcohol, it will destroy your life. That's what Solomon is saying. And then, one of my favorite pastimes is golf. Nothing wrong with playing golf. I'd be surprised at how many people, when I'm on my way to services, are on the very first hole at Cherokee. He ended up. Sometimes in the church, we let our hobbies, golf, and let me just throw in the cabin in the woods and fishing, forms of recreation. Is it possible that we are so caught up in the pursuit of our hobbies I mean, we spare no expense when it comes to our clubs, the golf balls we use. We've got to have a cabin in the woods so we can hunt and fish. We're going to get the best fishing rod. We're going to have the best gun. And you know what? If we can work the Lord in, all the better. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. You see, the devil can take things that are seemingly innocent. And nothing wrong with hunting and fishing and playing golf and going to football games and things like that. But the problem is sometimes the devil dupes us. We get to the point where we think, you know what, what's it really going to matter? I mean, it's just one time. Let me tell you what happens. You miss once and before you know it, you miss services again. And then before you know it, you miss again. And then before you know it, it's a pattern, it's a habit. And then you have difficulty finding your way back. I have pled with people that have gotten so caught up in their hobby, so to speak. I've pled with them. Put the Lord first. Come back to the church. But you know what? They say they will, but they don't. The farther away you get from the truth, the more difficult it becomes to get back. Sometimes we go so far out. And listen, I know we're human beings and we like to enjoy life and we like to enjoy the things of life and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is sometimes we float in, we float out, we do this, we do that. We're doing anything and everything and the Lord gets the crumbs of life. Let me tell you what, the devil is rejoicing when that happens. He may have you in his clutches right now. And if so, I hope you'll think. Now we talk about the devil's bait. Let me talk very quickly about the devil's fate. The Bible talks about a place called hell. I want you to understand that the devil has a first-class ticket to hell. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 that those on the left hand, he will say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, 
prepared for the devil and his angels. In Revelation chapter 20 at verse 10, the Bible talks about the devil and how the devil will be cast into the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And he said they will be tormented, he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now the picture that I have before you is just a picture. I do not know what hell looks like. The imagery of the Bible is that of a lake of fire, brimstone. It is the picture of a place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What you need to understand is the devil is going to hell. He's going. Absolutely no doubt about it. The devil will one day go to hell. That's his fate. He knows it, God knows it, and we know it. So we think about the devil's bait, the devil's fate, and the devil's hate. Why do I bring this up? I want you to know. I want you to leave here today and know the devil hates you with a perfect hatred. He hates you. He hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates the Holy Spirit. He hates the Bible. Now the devil's going to hell. And here's what you need to understand. He wants you to go to hell. He's going to hell. And when the devil goes to hell, there are going to be a lot of folks that go with him. And you know why? Because they fell prey to his tactics. Now I've got another picture here. And again, as I said a moment ago, it's just imagery. I use this picture to ask this question. Could that possibly be you one day? Could that picture above my head, could that be you one day? Can you imagine being in a place called hell? Forever and ever and ever and ever. You see, the devil's going. And he wants you there beside him. Be tragic. If one day you've got a seat right beside him. I know what his fate is. And I know his hate. He hates God. And because he hates God, he wants to take you to hell with him. Because you see, the Bible says God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Paul said God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I want to ask you, a hundred years from now, where will you be? Where will you be? One day known to God when we stand before him in the judgment and he assigns our eternal destinies, where will you be? Is that you? Will that be you? It could be. It may be the case that you know in your heart of hearts if you died today, that's exactly where you're headed. You think about it. You've got a first class ticket. To hell. I want you to know you don't want to go to hell. Now it may be that you're saying, you know what? 
I'm tough, and I can take it. I'll take it like a man. I can take anything else. I can take that. Let me tell you what. You can't take it either. You can't take it, and you won't take it. Oh, you'll suffer. But if you think you can, if you think you can go to hell and find some rest and consolation and comfort in that place, you are sadly mistaken. I want you to know if you go to hell, you'll be there with the devil forever and ever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible says. You need, you need to understand, hell wasn't prepared for you. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you're unfaithful, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you haven't put him on in baptism, been added to the body of Christ, that's where you're headed. Ought to sober us up. Sometimes we play church, don't we? We play church. Sometimes we have in the back of our mind that, you know what? One day down the road we'll get things right. Who said? Who said you'll have that opportunity? When I got a call last night from Billy about Zach's brother, wasn't but a few minutes later that Zach called me. My brother's dead. So I just keep thinking I'll wake up and it won't be true. It's true. He's gone. The only consolation, he was a faithful Christian. If you go to hell, where will your children be? Are they going with you? You setting the kind of example that you'll lead them there? You don't come to worship, you don't come to Bible study, you put other things before you. Your kids see it, your grandkids see it, and then they get to be a teenager, and you know what they say? Who needs a church? Who needs a Bible? You know why they're disinterested? Because of you. You see, you're going to hell, and they're going with you. Now you think about that. There are a lot of things in this world. I would wade through hell for my child, and you would too. You think about losing your soul, but more importantly, you think about losing the soul or souls of your children or your grandchildren. Is that really what you want? Is that the road you're on today? Is that where you plan to go? I hope not. Thirdly, be adamant and withstand the devil. Listen now to what Peter said. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He said, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. How can we resist the devil? How can we be victorious? How can we overcome and conquer the tactics that are set before us? The bait. Number one, we resist the devil with willpower. Listen again to what Peter said. Resist him. James said, resist the devil and he'll do what? He'll flee from you, James 4, verse 7. 
Jesus said, if any man wills to do his will, it's all about the human will. Can we overcome? Yes. We can overcome. The question is not, can we overcome? The question is, will we choose to overcome? Willpower. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Apostle Paul said that there is always a way of escape. So you come to the fork in the road. You can go the good road that leads to life. You can travel the broad road that leads to death. The choice is yours. You have to exercise willpower. Number two, resist the devil with the word. When Jesus was tempted by the devil three times, Jesus quoted scripture, didn't he? Jesus said, it is written. The psalmist said, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you take the word of God, you internalize that word, and then you battle. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6, 17, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you were out on the battlefield in ancient days as a Roman soldier, and you're out here going toe-to-toe, face-to-face with the enemy, would you leave your sword in the sheath? Let me tell you what, I've got that sword out. And I'm using that sword offensively and defensively. I'm protecting myself, and I'm using it, coming and going. If you never open the Word of God, then you have just closed the book that can help you resist the devil. Isaiah said, Seek ye the word of the Lord, seek ye out the word of the Lord, and read. This book, will never, it will never do you any good if you don't ever open it. If you don't ever take this sword and use it, it's not going to do you any good. Jesus was successful because he could say, It is written. We can be successful if we follow his pattern. Peter said he left us an example that we should follow his steps. And then we can resist the devil with wisdom. James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. We ought to be wise to the ways of the world. We ought to be wise to the tactics of the devil. James said, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt anyone. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust, and lust, when it has conceived, brings forth death, and death, when it's full grown, brings forth, or rather sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And so he said, do not be deceived or err, my beloved brethren. What he's saying there is, look, the devil's going to bait you. What you want to do, what you want to do is be successful, but you've got to have wisdom. You've got to have a discerning heart. You've got to know This is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, this is truth, this is error. How are you going to know that? You've got to know the word and you've got to have wisdom. The wisdom, the will to walk away. To choose that way of escape. Do you hear the lion roaring? He's roaring. Every day. Sometimes... Sometimes we feel like the devil just after us. Sometimes we feel like he defeats us, and he does. As a child of God, when we succumb to the tactics of the devil, we stand up, we brush ourselves off, we ask God to forgive us, and we move forward, don't we? 
In closing, I want you to know that the devil is not a fictitious being. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. The devil's real. And here's the key. Here's something you need to think about. He's after you. He's after you. He's on your case. Now the question is, is he winning or losing the battle? I want to ask you as we close today, think about this for a minute. I hope it will resonate with you. Where are you going to be in eternity? I know, I know right now you're probably thinking, you know, down the road I'm going to get it right. Down the road I'll obey the gospel. Down the road I'll be restored. Things will be right. I can go to heaven, etc. I applaud your thinking that that's what you think you'll do. And that's your intent. Paul said today is the day of salvation. You could have an accident on the way home. You could have an accident working outside your home. You could have a heart attack, a stroke. Any number of things could happen. The Lord might come. Will you be in heaven? Or is it just a pipe dream? Think about it. Where are you going to be in eternity? The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord died for you. He gave his very best. So I want to encourage you today, if you're not a Christian, to come to Christ. The longer you say no, the more difficult it will become to say yes. And you'll get to a point where you'll get to a point where it's not happening. Not in this lifetime. Because you've grown cold and calloused. The Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, I would plead with you today to do that. I don't know what's holding you back, but I can say this. There's nothing worth losing your soul for. If you're unfaithful, why leave here today in that state? Why not be restored? Come home. Come back to Almighty God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will forgive any and every sin, are you willing to come home as we stand and sing?